passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the eighteen that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. We are live with Rewind a Raw, John Pollock, waiting. Still standing, technically seating, seated, seated, seated. My brain has malfunctioned after this past weekend. It was a busy weekend, is what I was trying to say. Was it not, Way? It it really was. Yeah. Um. I I don't usually feel this sort of like pace, you know. Um. Other than like WrestleMania weekend, and I'm just trying to think like what made it so different this time. You know, of course, it's the start of the G1. But I think it's also having AEW collision and maybe just continued access to just high quality wrestling, you know, in in several promotions all around the world. Yeah, I mean, that to me was I could take all of these individual shows and I have interest in all of them. In a small window of time, it is very daunting uh, to try and tackle even even three quarters of this. And I'm kind of amazed at how much i was able to watch over the last uh two nights <laughs> amazingly i the website is evidence that i watched slam reversary which i will take that evidence as <laughs> proof that i did um it was three hours on saturday night that i apparently spent watching slam reversary but it was a, a show that it was actually like that's maybe the perfect example of this weekend is like i don't have too much to complain about of anything like it was a fun three hour show, but I wouldn't say there was anything on that show that would have cracked um, like the list of you need to watch or this slip through the cracks. Like there was just there's such high level stuff. And I put a short list of it today in my update. And at the end of it, I'm looking at it. It was like these like four or five matches alone. It's mind blowing that this happened from Friday night to Sunday night. Completely. Yeah. Um and yes, and I, I just, included Speedball and Yoshihiko in my match list. I think it's a very legitimate, you know. Uh, How about that that comment from Speedball? He said he was more nervous for that match than any other match in his career, which covers a lot of ground for that individual. Certainly does. I mean, but it also 
makes a lot of sense because you have nobody there responsible for the match except yourself and uh maybe a you know uh i don't know what you want to call yoshihiko's uh phantom guide i suppose we are going to go through some of the highlights uh from this past weekend between uh aew's offerings on especially on saturday night they had a three-hour live block on tnt that included the two out of three falls match between ftr and bullet club gold as well as the finals of the owen hart cup tournaments with ricky starks and willow nightingale winning and if you blink, you missed it. But Jushin Thunder Liger was also on this show, which I want to ask you, Wei, what do you think would be more expensive? A round trip ticket from Japan to Calgary and back or a Jushin Thunder Liger costume that you could have maybe just licensed out to some similarly sized performer to don the mask and red and white and black attire of Jushin mm-hmm. Liger. Um, this poor man. You know how yeah. long that flight is? It's pretty long. Yeah, I, I mean, I hope he got to see some, some, some of the city. Maybe the, you know, Banff um, is really nice nearby. Um, Dude, I hope- bet they dropped this guy off at the airport the second Battle of the Belts ended. He was like right back on his trip home to Japan. Unless they ha- film something afterwards, unless like he's sticking around and, and working an angle, you know, on dynamite or something. It, it was certainly one of the most perplexing things that I've ever seen involving any sort of like guest you know celebrity um i understand the desire to want to maybe like um turn ricky stark's heel by doing something like that but man i i i i think it's that could have happened in several other ways um without wasting this person's time yeah it was just um yeah an element that just seemed to be something that was not really figured in for anything i mean it just became an afterthought on the show but i did think uh collision was a pretty excellent show i thought the the tag match was incredible did you get a chance to watch the tag match did that one uh make it onto your screen this weekend eventually it did yeah Mm -hmm. so this was 58 minutes and three seconds so they teased going the full 60 minutes and man this crowd in calgary was excellent and some of the reactions like that that crowd really was the the fifth man in this tag match because they elevated so much it did not drag for me i think some it it's it's a lot to ask of people to invest uh 58 minutes in but i i would put this ahead of the 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 match the previous week and i would state both tag matches are in the small history of collision would be your best matches that you've seen so far this one being my number one yeah i think that that's actually somewhat up for debate you know i i heard um on collision course Sino and kate or at least Sino, i believe like believing that he enjoyed the first one more and i can understand both perspectives for some people maybe an hour is just a little too long to drag you know somebody's attention um but i can also see people feeling like the hour was well spent and that it was you know um it made for an incredible final few moments really they, the crowd was hot for the entire time um, I, I, I'm not even going to pick between the two. I think, you know, what should be said about it is that, I mean, FTR continue to be tremendous professional wrestlers and maybe the best tag team in the world right now, but it's really this bullet club gold juice, juice and, and Jay, um, team. That's, I, I feel with the, you know, they, they're one of the, the people that have gained the most from this extra airtime on AEW collision they really feel like they're gelling and i think juice especially has taken a huge step up in AEW. i i would 
I would state the same for Jay White. I think that he has, I mean, benefited the most from collision. Um, just we're not going to spend too much time on all of these shows, but just on the CM Punk Ricky Starks match, how you felt about that, and especially the crowd reaction to Punk, and conversely, Punk's reaction to the crowd. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't know if he would have expected that type of reaction in Calgary, just given, uh, you know, Hamilton was pretty soft, like, I, from what whatever I call Regina, like, seemed to be pretty, like, you know, neutral or pro-punk. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Calgary, it was, like, you know, pretty hostile, or at least, like, definitely more pro-Starks than it was pro-punk. And Did I don't surprise know- you? It did surprise me because I don't know if it was just a, something I, I, I think would have only happened in maybe a Toronto, but maybe just because more so like he's such a Brett guy, I thought Calgary would be with him, but clearly that's not enough. Um, and I think they have to really be considering further options for CM Punk as a heel right now, which, you know, maybe is not happening because they decided to do it with Starks. But I oh, that, that match was completely laid out for CM Punk to be the baby face. And I'd say that that match, it was it gave me a further or a deeper appreciation of John Cena in those situations that he was able to go in front of those hostile crowds. And it would be so much that he like he would play to that audience that wanted to hate him, but would also not abandon his like his core fans that are still watching john cena their superhero and he thrived in those settings like really thrived and they were some of the more memorable john cena matches where he knew how to work those crowds and a lot of baby faces would get thrown off by the crowd turning on it whether whether it be dusty when it was like late into his run in in jim crockett promotions or Shawn michaels in the mid 90s and uh, punk was certainly i don't think rattled by it but at the same time i don't think he was fully able to really take this and turn it into a positive for the match. It was more so I think him trying to like win the crowd back. And this was an audience that was pretty adamantly not, it wasn't a hundred percent, but it was, it felt like 60, 40 against him at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and I think it is a bigger question. Like as we see these like Toronto, you can maybe just assume going into Calgary that Toronto, it's a unique crowd and they went against punk. That's going to be a rarity, but Calgary was more of a surprise. And Mm -hmm. is this indicative of other big crowds? Like next week, they're in Newark, New Jersey, which is, you know, that's the Prudential Center. And while they're not going to sell out the Prudential Center, you would hope that you're going to have a healthy crowd there. What's the reaction going to be like in a Northeast town um, Mm -hmm. in the U.S. next week? And I do think like there is this gap between an audience that wants to vociferously hate this guy, but it's almost like they're not allowed to. And it's like the audience that supports him is sort of like in this limbo too. It's the elephant is in the room with him and yeah. it's taking on a life of its own now with the crowds that I think are going to mimic Calgary and Toronto. Well, at this point, we have to ask like, what what are sort of the, the negatives of actually turning punk heel? Why not run with it rather than, you know, play this game of like trying to guess whether or not this particular crowd is going to, to, you know, boo punk or cheer punk. And you're going to have to change course. Why not just run with him as a heel throughout the entire country? Um, I, I certainly don't see the drawback and you know what, if it calls to a, a, a bigger question, and it, it, I think it's that for the most part, CM Punk still seems like the bad guy in this entire brawl out situation. And there's a lot that I think the audience feels he hasn't necessarily answered for. Um, and whatever you feel about the situation at this point, so what? Like, we're, all we really care about is just the on-air product, and and why run against the, the you know go against the grain? Why not? Why not just have Punk be be a heel? 
Well, I think it's one thing to turn him, but if you're not doing the program everyone wants, is that really the most valuable? Like you're turning him, but you're not doing the program that everyone essentially wants. I think, but you don't have to do. Well, I mean, we never got Brett versus Vince until you know after after Brett came back, of course. But I mean, we did not get Brett and Vince weren't on uh, Raw and SmackDown every week. But we got well, but Brett was in WCW and Vince was in WWE, and instead we got as a surrogate of Bret Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin. You could definitely put somebody else in that role on Collision to face off against a heel CM Punk. Well, I I think they're going to continue to ride this. I think with with Punk in the in this role, but it's I I think it was interesting just to see that that whole reaction and how it continues in the like they they are still booking like big venues for Collision, and we're going to see as well. Like it was it was a healthy crowd in Calgary, uh, but Newark for next Saturday. I mean, all they've announced so far is the trios championship match, and that's. You know, that's a big building that they have to uh, have on next Saturday night. Ratings are going to be really important for last uh, Saturday and also especially this coming Saturday without, you know, perhaps something as big as uh, CM Punk versus Samoa Joe or CM Punk in the finals of the Owen Hart tournament. um, What are they going to announce that, you know, is this going to be a a tapering uh, of, of interest for Collision? This is every single week is important for Collision ratings. Yeah, and we'll get a very interesting pattern on Saturday of how that one-hour match does to hold people up for the first hour as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just some impact notes. If you did miss the pay-per-view, they did five title changes on the show with Kenny King winning the digital media title, Masha Salamovich and Killer Kelly winning the knockouts tag titles, Leo Rush beating Chris Sabin in a minute 20. They did just, it was pretty much just an angle. Like he just uh, attacked Sabin and pinned him very, very quick. Uh, subculture winning the tag titles in the four-way and then trinity beating diana perrazzo to become the knockouts champion the only champion to retain was alex shelley beating nick aldis and uh, the big story coming out of that was after shelley retained josh alexander is back from his torn triceps injury enters the ring announcing he is back so that looks to be uh, a direction that they will be going towards with shelley and this whole thing was him being built up as, is he just going to be a transitional champion and losing to Nick Aldis? So he retains. It was a pretty fun show from Impact, but like everything was, I would say, like I didn't watch any of the matches and was like, this is atrocious or anything like that. It was like a good, consistent level. I enjoyed Shelly and Aldis. The Ultimate X had some spectacular uh moves in it trinity and diana had a lot of heat from this crowd in windsor it was a good crowd it was it was a good show um but i think on a weekend like this just having a consistently strong show that's you know some good word of mouth like you have to be a lot more to stand out in a very very crowded field like a weekend like this i mean you know at one time impact their only competition was a wwe pay-per-view once a month now their competition is an AEW that is very much satisfying and over-satisfying, I should say, you know, your and hardcore free. fan base and free. You're competing with every other promotion. You're competing with AAA. You're competing with NOAA. You're competing with New Japan on the same weekend at the very same time. So there are going to be weeks. Maybe this was unfortunate timing for that for anniversary, but I mean, name a good time, honestly, for the rest of the summer. It's it's going to be really tough. Like you don't have Saturdays free anymore. It's like you need a product that is going to cut through all of that. And it's going to be very tough. I'm sure Triple Mania was affected, even though they had a very Book Yoshihiko, strong... clearly the solution. You know, we're, we're talk- we talked about GCW. Well, we? Uh, we, we did. Uh, I mean, that that cut through the noise, at least mm-hmm. at least on this show, it did. Um, on Saturday as well, you had uh, El Hijo del Vikingo beating Kenny Omega 
And it, it was a pretty spectacular match. I I didn't think it was ahead of the dynamite match, but this was still a really excellent 18 minutes that they had. I didn't think anything was wasted. It's it was 15,000 people plus in a big baseball stadium in Tijuana. And that the atmosphere is always great on these shows and that enhanced this. But I guess the major thing coming out of this was the post show angle where Kenny Omega is being interviewed by the media and Don Callis appears and cuts a heel promo on Omega noting that he has lost five major singles matches since Callis left him. And then Takeshita jumps Omega and suddenly Callis gets taken down by this individual that apparently was a security guard and was visiting and thought this was a real incident that was going down, tackles down Don he, so, so, so just to be clear, he was not working the event. No. He was somebody who's normally, for his other jobs, a security guard. Yes, and yes. he was here just as like a spectator, it seemed like, or visiting, whatever he was doing. Right. Takes down Callis and apparently just thought this was legit what was happening here. Like, of course, this, this man is <laughs> just uh, showing up with a scar on his head, and he's just lambasting Kenny Omega for losing five big matches lately. So dude, Callis is taken down and you can watch the video. Like he's legit pissed about this. Like you can see, he has no idea what's happening here and ended up, you know, he, the, the observer reported like he was going to San Diego to get medical attention. It doesn't seem anything too serious, but uh, something that, I mean, just shouldn't have happened, but, but did. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just so bizarre. I, I know. Uh, wrestling on Callis has had some shit luck this year i mean is it shit luck or like is this all really just like in wrestling it's weird where like terrible things can happen to you and somehow it can really work to your benefit i think the scar is badass like it's perfect for his character you he think looks- it's badass if you woke up every day with that that scar is like that's a gnarly scar i'm just saying there were gone. there are worse jobs to have than heel professional wrestling manager you know with a scar like that he looks like an anime villain right now which is which is great and even a story like this i mean in a way like just kind of creates good pr for this angle and, and 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 you know traveling to mexico and getting attacked by random fans provided he's okay of course you never want to hear about something like this and people possibly potentially getting seriously injured but if he's okay, then uh, play this the whole thing up as a you know. In a weird way, it was like the, it was like the role reversal of the press conference we were just at after Forbidden Door, where w- one of the media members gets it gets <laughs> the, caught the in the middle. Gets, the media gets its revenge. Is that what you're well, saying? I'm just stating that, like here in this case, it was the opposite, where the performer is doing his job and someone is like unknowingly strikes the performer and it was like the opposite here with the thread being these press conferences after i think these press conferences are just uh bad news all around i mean there's complaints about them and now people are getting hurt in all of them i I think press conferences are just as important as the wrestling matches these days well um you see the g1 press conference i mean a lot of news coming out of everything and and people got injured there as well i mean with uh you know people diving on one another and such so uh, yeah, that was the news coming out. So I am sure that Don Callis will be there for for blood and guts on on Wednesday night, which I mean, they have topped uh, over 8000 tickets for the TD Garden, which this is the move up for them from usually they run the Aganis Arena. This is the move up to the major arena in town, the TD Garden. So blood and guts and that movement 
coincided with the announcement of Blood and Guts and the participants. So this match certainly moved tickets, and they still have uh, 48 hours to see if it goes any higher. This will be, as of now, for, for their TV, not including pay-per-views, this will be their fourth biggest attendance for TV this year. Um, and maybe, maybe they can touch the uh, the Seattle show, but they would have to get to around 9,000 for that. That that was Seattle Blood and Guts? Is that uh, what you're no, saying? this was Seattle at the beginning of the year, just first time in the market. Do you have any idea off the top of your head, like how they did for previous blood, bloods and guts? I can pull, I can pull up last year's for uh, you. Just, because... just, just a gauge to see, you know, if if uh, if if it's uh, an improvement, or I mean, I don't even know if they they really care to measure by that metric. Last year they ran blood and guts. It was uh, in May, as I recall. This is why I hate like you know like testing John. I mean, it's for my own curiosity, really, but it does like put a put a halt to the show sometimes because John, like I, I'm putting him in a position where he really has to answer with facts. So apologies, everybody. For no, I'm 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 recalling it now. Wasn't it at? Do you remember where Blood and Guts took place? Because I only have the cities here. I don't remember what there. I watched last week, John. You know, I don't. I don't remember what I watched on Saturday. So you're, I'm really the last person you should ask. Okay, so someone in the chat room, tell me the city that Blood and Guts was in last year, <laughs> right. and and I will give you the uh, the, the number. But uh, I mean, regardless, like eight thousand is on like the high end of Little Caesars. Little Caesars, June twenty ninth. June 29th. June 29th. Okay, that's what I needed. So, they, okay, they, they, it was bigger last year. That was that was also the first show in Detroit. That did very well. They did um, like 11,200 paying. Um, so gotcha. they're not going to okay. hit that for, for this year. But nonetheless, it's um, that was the first show in Detroit, and that one got off to um, – it was a very healthy show for them. Anyway. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, chat room, for uh, coming in. That's what we're. That's what you're here for. Uh, and finally, on uh, two other injury notes coming out of the weekend, we had uh, Elton Prince uh, suffering a shoulder separation on SmackDown during the the tag match with the Brawling Brutes. He took a pounce from Ridge Holland, separated his shoulder, and continued through the match like it was. Like I certainly didn't notice it watching it, and like he was involved in the finish, did the leg drop off the top, mm-hmm. and I guess we'll see what the extent of, of it is. And obviously, like shoulder separations, like there can be a degree of how bad it is, but it's unfortunate because pretty deadly. They've they've gotten off to a very good start on SmackDown and they've been positioned well. And they're and, the it, would, and it would be really tough. I can't see Kit Wilson no. getting much on his own. I mean, he's pretty much in limbo until Prince is healthy. When you're in a tag team where you dress the same as your partner, you're probably not getting booked until the other guy comes back. So and Tanahashi's of- busy. <laughs> oh, yeah if it was any i mean the uh the unofficial third member of uh pretty deadly sure at the house show on the weekend they were putting him with austin theory so i mean that is a pairing True. that they've introduced right. on tv you could True. get away with you know it, it, having that association that at least keeps wilson somewhat busy you're absolutely right they could definitely potentially do that but you know i, I mean uh, the silver lining is that uh, to an injury like this is that pretty deadly in the short time that they've been on the main roster have already achieved a whole lot and judging by their booking you know that they've really impressed the people in the back and as maybe antiquated as a of a, of a sort of like you know thought um uh, of of uh, uh, that this might sound you know they're going to be impressed by how tough Elton Prince was in gutting out the injury to finish that match, you know? So I imagine they'll they'll treat him very favorably whenever he comes back. And the other injury was to Bailey at the show on Sunday in Salisbury, Maryland. This was a four-way match involving Asuka, Bianca Belair, and Charlotte Flair. And the spot, you can you can see it online, and it's in the, the news story. And it was a very awkward sequence where... Asuka kind of just went down and it seemed like Bailey was running towards her 
and like planted her foot and almost was not expecting Asuka's movement, like where she went down. And it just one of those freak things where it looks like her knee just locked or whatever. And Bailey goes down. There was no more physicality with her. And they shortly just went to the finish as the trainers were checking on her and Asuka pinned Charlotte. And they, they helped Bailey to the back. And then she posted a photo. It was her right knee and stating she's going to be all right. But I mean, she's obviously got to check, get checked out and we're awaiting what the update is. Of course, um, definitely concerning when you're talking about a knee injury. Totally. Absolutely. Uh, I, I just think back to a time where like, you know, if something like this happened in the house show, I don't know how, like if we would have had immediate cell phone footage of it, like right away. Um, now it's like the moment it happens, everybody knows and everybody's like, you know, like sending, sending their, it's, it's on news sites and, and all that. Um, so, you know, let's say Bailey's out. Seems like her role lately, if she could make TV is still to mainly be a mouthpiece for Io Shirai with this money in the bank briefcase. Um, maybe she can still perform, um, in that capacity. So yeah, we, we hope that she is healthy though. Of course. We're going to move on to this story involving Rick Steiner. So WrestleCon has booked the Steiners for WrestleCon weekend, which is in Detroit over SummerSlam weekend. And I'm not going to read the entire statement here. I think everyone knows the, the story involving Rick Steiner and Giselle Shaw from WrestleCon over WrestleMania weekend, which was, I, I would, well, let's get into just a portion of this statement. And this is from uh, uh, Mike uh, Bocchicchio from WrestleCon. And he says, at no time then or after do we condone the remarks that Rick made in Los Angeles. We did we did not fail to act after we were notified. And as a result, we removed him from the convention for the remainder of that event. Rick's poor decision forever impacted his brand, relationships within the wrestling community, and alienated many of his fans. One of the positive things Rick did, and it was not publicized, is immediately apologize. He apologized to members of the WrestleCon staff. He apologized to many of his fellow wrestlers and offered apologies to the members of Impact Wrestling staff and chose to hear that chose to hear from him at a private mediated event giselle chose not to attend rick's apology which we 100 understood supported and still support to this day she had no obligation to hear anything from rick nor should she ever feel obligated to accept accept any apology from him then or now now that we are three months beyond this event i feel that rick learned a lot from this huge mistake i know it's easier to cancel people when they make mistakes than to forgive and help educate however sometimes i think it's important that we give people a second chance that being said rick will forever be on a zero tolerance scale moving forward at any of our events if we are proven wrong that he has not learned from his mistakes, we will enforce a permanent ban. That is not to imply that everyone gets one free strike. We continue to strive to have an environment where everyone feels safe and included. If we are faced with issues that compromise that environment, we will take all necessary action. So that is a portion of the statement. And this has uh, drawn a lot of criticism from people because this has been uh, Rick Steiner has been radio silent since this event that happened at WrestleCon. And, you know, fr from this statement uh from, from russell Khan is that privately he has reached out and apologized for it but i think for for a lot of people it's simply like this was a really really ugly incident um uh like out and out like transphobia at mm -hmm. a public event uh with a woman who did nothing but attend this event who was i mean when you look at this i mean here is somebody that is at this event as a talent that is like humiliated in front of colleagues in front of fans and seemed completely unprompted that he just started screaming these like slurs at her and you know for the side of Giselle Shaw in all of this um would you expect Giselle Shaw to be 
going to WrestleCon to sign? Probably not putting herself in this uh, situation. So if anything, it's like Giselle Shaw is probably losing out on a booking because why would she ever want to put herself in that kind of an environment again um, that she is not going to probably be at, at WrestleCon, I would assume. I'm not going to say like Rick Steiner needs to just disappear forever and that people cannot learn. And that can like my whole thing about punishment is that at the end of it, someone is aware of their mistake that is educated to where they went wrong. And if we have one less transphobic person, that's a great thing to have. I don't know if Rick Steiner, I, I can't tell you if Rick Steiner has done the work and is someone that is truly remorseful or not, because I've heard nothing from him. Um, and I do feel that this is somebody that does have to confront this beyond a private Zoom call or however he reached out to those. I appreciate that he reached out, but mm -hmm. is that something that is necessarily, I, I guess you're just looking at this from a lot of different angles of like, I can't even state, like, this is this giant superstar that's going to bring all this business to WrestleCon. If anything, I could argue that this is probably going to lose WrestleCon business rather than add to it. That they are um, uh, putting their neck out and bringing this person back without, um, you know, even missing, like, a cycle of WrestleCon events. Right. Yeah. Um, I think three months is definitely too soon. Like they, there hasn't even been WrestleCon events in between that time. So you're basically telling somebody that this man didn't really suffer any sort of punishment. Um, beyond that, even though like maybe it seems like Rick Steiner perceives this as a private matter. Um, from what I gathered, it was, it was a public incident in a public forum. And it's certainly become a public story at this point. And therefore if he feels like he, the he wants the public to accept him, and if WrestleCon wants the public to accept him, well, Rick Steiner needs to make that apology publicly in as big of a forum as possible. And then at that point, it's up to the public to decide if they are comfortable with it. Until then, I think this backlash is very much warranted. Um, you know, I I didn't hear the apology, and it's it's it shouldn't be made for me. Um, the other thing is too, Giselle Shaw was not present there. She did not choose to go to the the uh to, to the apology from what i gather and and i i i'm not comfortable like giving my support to you know this inclusion of rick steiner at WrestleCon until i hear giselle shaw's opinion on it and her acceptance of the apology yeah i mean like at, at a time like this where i mean the amount of transphobia that exists um to me it's it's something that i i like, I think if, if you were a trans person, would you feel comfortable going to this event that unprompted you could be subjected to something like that? Not saying that Rick Steiner is going to repeat those actions. You would hope not. But at, at the same time, I I feel that like you are, I think, like the message like comes out here. And I also take issue with like including the word canceled, which is, I hate this word. And if we sub out cancel for disciplined, I think it has a much um, more meaningful distinction of. Yeah. What is the alliteration though? Discipline, discipline culture. Come on. Not as catchy, not as easy, but I think it's easier to discipline people when they make mistakes than to forgive and help educate Rick Steiner. I mean, to be quite honest, 
Like, yes, this was a news story in wrestling. He's exceptionally lucky that did not become a larger story. Um, this did not affect his his real life job. This did not impact him to the extent that he is not going to lose an autograph session out of it. So the idea of him being canceled, I'm sorry, that's laughable. Um, he is someone that, I mean, was, I think, quite rightly scorned within wrestling circles. But this this did not pop up and become a, a major news story of, uh, you know, a a wrestler of significant fame, I think you would argue, based on when you grew up, um, engaging in just uh, utter transphobia in a public setting in front of people to another fellow wrestler. And, Mm -hmm. I mean, he, to me, did not receive any kind of um, discipline or, you know, loss of any type of income. Um, So I, I don't think you can really look at this as somebody. And, again... A lot of these stories, so much of the attention goes to the person that committed the incident rather than the person that was on the receiving end of it um, and how that person feels. So I would much rather hear of a Giselle Shaw. And I think for something like this, at the bare minimum, if I were Rick Steiner, I would be stating that if I'm attending this, 100% of my fee is going towards a a charity of Giselle Shaw's choosing. I am not profiting a penny off of this event. I think that's the bare minimum. Bare minimum, sure. Let's uh, quickly talk about the ratings notes from the weekend. SmackDown doing 2,309,000 viewers, a 0.62. So down from the trial episode, but still a very healthy number for SmackDown. And um, what was interesting was to see the, the quarter hour breakdown from WrestleNomics. Um, and once again, the high point, Jay Uso with Paul Heyman and Solo Sokoa peaking in the show in uh, by a significant margin at 2,571,000 viewers and 949,000 in the demo between 9 and 9.15. Um, women in the key demo were down 35% this week. And where where they really fell down, and this is certainly what, attracted the audience that was most uh attracted to last week's episode was the 18 to 34 audience which was down uh women in that demo i should state down 50 percent this week so this is a it's a sizable portion of their female their younger female audience that was down this week uh of course this week's episode will be on fs1 but you do have roman reigns on that show and i think they will do by fs1 standards a very good number and um, tonight was sold out for Raw. SmackDown is sold out on Friday in Orlando at the Amway Center. So a lot of big business they are doing going into SummerSlam. Rampage on Friday. We skipped over Rampage. Way, what was your highlight? You know, I, I'm told that Athena versus Willow was really good. And I might be checking that out, you know, in um, in the lead up to Death Before Dishonor. But beyond that, I haven't heard too much. Well, the show did 310,000 viewers and a .10 in the demo. These in the normal 10 p.m. Friday night time slot, their second lowest ever. And um, second lowest behind June 9th, a few weeks ago, that was up against the NBA Finals. So this week they were down 16% in viewers and 20% in the demo. But the really interesting breakdown is males versus females on Friday. So in 18 to 49, men were up 6%. Women down 53%. 18 to 34 Men up 22% this week, women down 65% from last week. And in 35 to 49, men were up 1%, women down 50%. I thought that was astounding that men were equal, if not up from last week, and women were down in gigantic numbers. What do you attribute it to? Um, 
men were not missing rampage i don't care what's going on this weekend well, what were the women watching? of AEW in on friday night and what were women watching um not rampage i guess and not smackdown in, in record setting numbers either so if i have to state that uh women have other social options on friday night th- these numbers backed it up that's what i'm saying all right okay as someone that did watch rampage over the weekend all right those are the ratings notes collision will be out on wednesday and uh quickly coming up over the next few days we've got another g1 show on tuesday with myself and wh park we will be on the cafe tuesday night uh that show will be headlined by kazuchika okada against el Fantasmo. we also have sonata against shota umino Will Ospreay against Yoshihashi, Ren Narita against Yota Suji, and then Taichi against Tangaloa, Gabe Kidd against Hikuleo, Kenta versus Great Okan, and Kaito Kiyomiya, whose birthday was this week, taking on Chase Owens. So that oh, is a holiday's lineup. I think he's 26. Six. Yeah. Wow. Spring chicken. Um, yeah. For those of you who are unaware, we did release yesterday's G1 review show of day two on the post wrestling cafe or post wrestling free, free feed i should say also here at youtube.com slash post wrestling so just to give you guys a bit of a monday morning preview of what type of coverage you might get from us at the uh, post wrestling cafe yes and we'll go over the schedule in a minute but nxt on tuesday has wesley and dominic mysterio that they promoted a lot on raw tonight for the north american title nathan frazier and dragon lee against los lotharios kiana james against Gigi dolan scripts and axiom against bronco nima and lucian price but the big return, Tony D'Angelo is out of jail and returns to NXT. All right. He got parole by way of a wrestling outcome last week with uh, mm-hmm. Channing Lorenzo. And finally, Dynamite on Wednesday has Blood and Guts, MJF and Adam Cole against Sammy Guevara and Daniel Garcia in the Blind Eliminator final, and Hook against Jack Perry for the FTW title with a setup on one of the AEW shows. Rampage. Don't... Rampage it was. Yeah. Um, that you thought was a great setup. It I was mean, great. The best 12 second uh, promo of the year. You know, there, there, there are several characters in AEW that I think are a bit challenging to like sort of create regular segments for. And Orange Cassidy for the longest time was one of them. Uh, they figured out a great formula to make him one of the best champions in all of professional wrestling right now. And I think they are starting to really find it with Hook, where he's a guy who is not your, you know, going, going out there, cut a 10 minute promo type of wrestler. He is a type of character that, you know, the less he says, the cooler he is. And they shot this great vignette of him just eating pasta. <laughs> uh, and just like basically cutting a promo to the camera saying, uh, Jack Perry, I'm done running. You want a match? Done. I hope the woman sitting like diagonal from him was with him and not just a person just trying to have her lunch. And who's this guy yelling at a camera? The tables look close enough that I, I think she she was a close associate of Hooks, but really cool way of uh, treating Hook. So, uh, yeah, let's see if there's any interest in that match. Yeah. So three matches announced thus far for Dynamite, and obviously the lion's share of the episode will be focused on blood and guts. And the schedule for this week, um, we have eight shows this week on the cafe. So excluding all the shows that you get on the free feed. Yes, I counted them up, and this is, um, for all the complaining we do about how much there is to to cover, I mean, there is a lot lot for everybody. I I will say it's different for a podcast, okay? People are doing other shit when they're listening to a podcast. You know, you could do your laundry, you could be driving, 
you have to watch something actively. You have to. You can be down. sleeping and listen to us. That's fine. So, so basically, there's there is no such thing as too many podcasts, and certainly okay. no such thing as too many post wrestling cafe podcasts. Well, there is a lot of wrestling this week, including Super Clash '85 that will somehow get uh, watched and reviewed this week on the site. Uh, but we will have four G1 shows coming your way. Uh, up at postwrestlingcafe.com Tuesday night with myself and WH, Wednesday with Karen Peterson and Bruce Lord, Friday with WH and Eric Marcotte, and then Sunday, Karen and Bruce are back again. So that is all off the top of my head. That's uh, really impressive, actually. Yes, I've you nailed them. I've got these drilled into me. Uh, but we've also got uh, some of your favorites, Collision Course. We've got MCU Later. Friday night, Way and I are going to watch the Ring of Honor, Death Before Dishonor pay-per-view. So we'll go live at 11, right after the pay-per-view. Um, Way is going to uh, double screen with SmackDown. So uh, you, you did volunteer that. So I, I will do that. I, I can't guarantee, you know, really great in-depth analysis that you used to from me. But, you know, we will talk about any sort of big I analysis. want you to have SmackDown on mute and uh, tell us what you think happened on SmackDown. Okay. That should so be a review. Just make up, like, Jey Uso's promo. Okay. That's it. That's all we need from you. Uh, but we'll mainly be focusing on ROH on Friday night. But Tuesday, free and for everybody, it is the wellness policy. And way, what are you guys going to be snacking on on this month's Oh, edition? I see what you did there. Uh, we will be talking about health and fitness with Justin Goodman, who is, uh, if the name sounds familiar, Jordan Goodman's brother, who happens to be, I don't want to get this wrong, but um, <laughs> I think he's a licensed dietitian and also a per, uh, personal trainer. So, Basically, he knows a lot more about health and fitness than I do. Somebody who spends hours and hours and hours sitting down and watching professional wrestling and then talking about it and then making podcasts about them. So, um, you know, I don't know if you can relate, John, but I'm certainly an important in my life where I could with that, with with a baby as well. I've really lost track. I've really lost it. I've gained like five pounds since like, like November. Yeah, it's shocking. You don't you don't really see it all, you know, underneath this. But like it, it below below this, I'm just a mess. So. Justin, help me out tomorrow, Tuesday, 3 p.m. for free, youtube.com slash post wrestling. We'd love to get a lot of your guys thoughts as well uh, on it. So you can call in if you're a patron. I'll be sending that link out later on Tuesday morning. OK, so look out for that and uh, don't overwhelm people. We're not going to go over all of it. But uh, Wednesday, uh, Paul and Thurston will be live at 430 p.m. Eastern time. And joining us will be g1 stats himself chris samsa the chris samsa on twitter and uh, he will be joining myself and brandon to talk about the g1 this might be the closest you ever hear to john pollock talking to someone about math um and we will we will see how the man dissects all of the stats i might this might be the interview that i just sit back and listen to brandon and chris i i mean i can't wait you know uh, i once they get into like python scraping i mean i might just have to Take a seat and mm-hmm. listen. Yeah. That- so all of that is coming up. The full schedule up at postwrestling.com. And uh, I want to state on this show, a major thank you to all of the contributors on our site. Uh, a lot of people did a ton of work uh, over this weekend covering all of these shows, some some great podcasts, some great uh, written reviews uh, from Jack Wanon doing the Triple Mania show, John Kleinchester, Dave LeClaire, all of the crew at uh, Post Wrestling, a, uh, a major thank you. In addition to our stalwarts, Neil Flanagan and Andrew Thompson, who Andrew uncovering uh, the best story of the weekend that Sonata feels that the current New Japan crop, they lack sex appeal. I guess it's a good counter to, you know, Naito's quote about him having no star power. Well, at least I've got sex appeal. 
That's it. That's the uh, that's the showdown that everyone's waiting for. Sex appeal versus superstardom. This post wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement, because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Okay, on that note, as we are uh, almost 45 minutes deep here, it's time to talk about Raw from the State Farm Arena in Atlanta, 11,406, according to WrestleTix, a sellout. And man, was this a, a crowd like that, it. This crowd sounded great. And that main event, this Atlanta crowd was amazing. Like this was, I, I state this in like the most positive way. Like this was a dynamite crowd, like an AEW dynamite crowd for this main event. They were so red hot I mean, for that tag match. I mean, what dynamite crowd works. I, w- I would also say like an, you know, old school Georgia crowd from um, this was the Omni. Yeah, they they transferred it over. Well, they were all here to see Cody who comes out and there's a welcome home chant and he brings up Brock wants him to accept this challenge and he'll be out here uh, whether it's now nine o'clock, 10 o'clock or at the end of the night. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, they're going to do four quarters with Cody Rhodes throughout the night and until Brock comes out. And (laughs) part of me was like, when you say it out loud, it's like this show is so long. It we is. can do this now. We can do it at nine o'clock. We can do it at 10 <laughs> o'clock or we can do it at the end of the show. Could you imagine a first time viewer just tuning in? They're a brand new converted viewer. Yeah. And this is the segment that introduces them to raw of like, what am I sitting in for? I'm going to be in bed by 10. I mean, I do wonder how many people have like decided not to jump into professional wrestling because they realize how much of a time commitment it is every single week. If you even just want to follow one promotion. Well, this year WWE is bucking that trend because they they are they are growing their their television audiences. So it's a credit to them. He points out his mother in the front row, Michelle, and then talks about how his relationship with Brock can be described by two words: hard times. But it won't be hard times for him tonight. It's going to be hard times for Lesnar, and he loves everyone and enjoy Monday Night Raw. I mean, this guy could not. I mean, he was like running for mayor of Atlanta here. 
hugs his family. And then all of a sudden Lesnar's music plays and Cody is on the ready, but Brock doesn't come out. It's a psych out. Then the music plays again and Cody storms to the back looking for Brock. You hear a big crash and a chair flies out into the arena and Brock emerges and destroys this guy with chair shots. He applies a Kimura onto Cody and accepts the challenge. I'll see you at SummerSlam, bitch. Did he say bitch? He did. We get a bitch? he did. We got two bitch drops on this show from our former MMA competitors. Uh, who's the other one? Ronda. Oh, okay. Well, they t- they teach you that in the UFC, don't they? I, th- I thought it was a pretty effective and simple segment here. You know, just uh, getting the baby face attacked in front of his mother um, always works. I don't think it, it ever doesn't. Um, Do you know if this was 2005? She's taking an F5. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's not too that 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 did kind of happen, right? To May Young multiple times. Well, not the F five, but remember when they were they were trying to heat up JBL, so they did an angle where he caused Eddie's mother to have a heart attack at a house show. I feel like I blocked a lot of that um, storyline out of um, my memory, but I'll take your word for it. It happened. Yeah, I thought it was all pretty done pretty well. You know, I think going to the basics with the heel Brock Lesnar and a babyface as good as Cody is all you really need. Cody cut a really nice hometown promo. Uh, I feel like we haven't heard shaky voice Cody in a while. It felt like at a time in AEW, he would, like every promo, he was like near tears and about to cry. And it, it almost felt so, I don't know, or so over the top that you just started to like dislike him. And in WWE, he hasn't really pulled out shaky voice Cody too much. And I thought tonight was an appropriate time. It's best to save the shaky voice for like your hometown, your family's in the front row, rather than yeah. like, um, we've got a video game announcement, or you know what I mean. Like it, with Cody, it just became, uh, yeah. you know, I'm fighting on behalf of the United States against a boxer that cashes his checks here in America. I made wait. Oh, the, the the famous promo of all promos. Yeah. Gunther and Matt Riddle. This is a non-title match with Imperium banned from ringside. And Riddle, they stated the difference here between Money in the Bank is that Riddle's ankle is 100%. So let's let's go over the checklist here, okay? Riddle's ankle is 100%. The goons are banned from ringside. There is nothing blocking Riddle's path here to Gunther. And Gunther just annihilated this guy. He scoop slams Riddle on the floor. They go through the break. He chops the hell out of Riddle, who comes back with kicks, a series of knee strikes, and then a running knee to the back of the head, goes for the floating bro, and Gunther gets the knees up. Big drop kick that I think Graves called a Tyrannosaurus drop kick and hits the power bomb to win in eight minutes and 13 seconds. It was I enjoyed this more than the pay-per-view match. It was short but it was a sprint for the time it lasted. Um, But I don't think Riddle has any more opportunities at this guy. He was just completely outclassed in this feud. I mean, I think at this point we understand like Riddle's place in this company. Um, Not having Randy has really hurt him. You know, he's really just the guy that I think they can only push so far as his current incarnation of his character. It's really hard to take, that sort of surfer bro seriously as a title contender at least beyond a certain level and uh but you know what you can rely on him for is really good wrestling really great matches and great chemistry with somebody like gunther makes for a great person for gunther to beat up and chop and to you know deliver like a pretty satisfying tv match here so good matches always between these two i think these have been strong showcases for gunther because riddle is so capable as an opponent and uh it's been upping the quality of wrestling on Raw in addition to Owens and Zane. 
Gunther stands on top of the announcer's desk with the title around his waist, telling the fans, this is the greatest night of your sad lives by getting to see the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. And (laughs) Riddle, he states, Riddle is done. And he is building a legacy. Drew McIntyre will fall victim to. And that will set up our face-to-face next week between Drew and Gunther. Mm -hmm. A lot of face-to-faces in this build-up to SummerSlam. Jackie interviews Raquel and Liv, and they're stating how Sonya and Chelsea Green don't like to follow the rules. We're ready for anything. So Rhea walks in and says, what about me? And Raquel stares her down, and she headbutts Liv. And this leads to a fight between Rhea and Raquel, with Raquel getting her knee kicked in by Rhea. And she goes down, holding on to the knee, and the question of whether she'll be okay to defend the titles tonight. Going to break, there's a trailer for this new Cody Rhodes documentary that is premiering in two weeks on Peacock. It is American Nightmare, the Cody Rhodes uh, story, and they have interviewed everybody for this. So this looks like a interesting piece, and it'll be coming out the week of SummerSlam. What was the last time they did even a, a Peacock exclusive documentary? You know, the the, um, the Ric Flair one last Flair. year. They did one. Oh, for- a whole year then. Wow. Like that's. Why? Yeah, like it, it, during the WWE Network days, it felt, felt like we had these sort of specials. You know, oh, every, they were doing these all week. the time. Mm-hmm. But they it's cut back a whole lot when it came to Peacock. And uh, this one, I'm definitely going to be making time for. It feels like it's a, a big deal. You know, I wonder how much they get into AEW, um, how they navigate really a whole lot for over his past year. He's had a really interesting run. I'm sure it'll all be addressed. I'm I'm sure this will be very a very strong piece from from the company. Judgment Day come out. They are better than everyone. Everyone thought we were going to break up. That was nonsense. Rhea calls herself the most dominant woman in the industry, and she is unbeatable. Finn and Damien, she states, will become world champions. And tomorrow night, Dominic becomes the North American champion, and Dominic is booed down by this crowd in Atlanta as he says he's going to beat Wesley. And Priest guarantees that he will be world champion, but looks at Balor and agrees Balor gets the first crack at Seth Rollins. So they're still keeping that that rift alive, even though they have a, a temporary truce. Balor says he will be listening to what Rollins has to say later. Their issues will never be over until his arm is raised as champion. And the Dominic yells in Spanish as Zayn and Owens come out. And they state that they get to shut Dominic's mouth tonight. And Priest challenges them to put the titles on the line tonight and Zayn asks Owens to weigh in so he screams and yells and agrees to put the titles on the line in the main event tonight so we go from non-title match to title match I could have sworn these two already won some sort of like tag team you know um title match um number one contenders match or something but whatever sure I I mean maybe moving a little bit faster here uh, with this because I felt like for sure they would have a bigger stage to challenge for the tag team titles but who's to say they can't after this anyway yeah it you know with uh only a couple shows left until SummerSlam Owens and Zayn do feel like the odd man out for SummerSlam this year that um you know there's just not that obvious um match for them on the card and it's it's starting to fill up that show that maybe they will just be whether it be an appearance on the show or just there on TV and Mm -hmm. you know we've seen you know Hunter's style of booking is it's not every everyone under the sun is put onto these pay-per-views some people it's just not their month to be on a lot more promotion this week for nxt and maybe that's just because dominic actually has a match or at least a a, a title match you know so yeah raquel is in the trainer's room and the trainer says technically she is cleared but wishes she would not compete which is quite the conundrum to be presented with from a doctor 
You I'm, shouldn't fight, but I'm not saying you can't. So if you're yeah. not, you're kind of scared. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Doc. And uh, Pierce, who just, I mean, no concern for liability is like, it's on. We've got, we've got a quarter hour to meet and the match is next. So out goes Raquel and Liv to take on Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville for the women's tag titles. And early on, Raquel is not selling the knee, but eventually Deville goes after it with a chop block and... We got several near falls in this match that I will state this is uh, this was much better than the tag outing from Green and DeVille last week, which was Mm -hmm. uh, not good. DeVille yanks Raquel off the apron, chop blocking her, and the unprettier is countered by Liv with a roll up. But as Green kicks out, she is knocked into the ropes where DeVille hits her from the floor. A second unprettier is hit and man, did this crowd bite on this near fall. And then a third unprettier and a running knee by DeVille keeps Liv down in five minutes and 23 seconds as Raquel is out on the floor with her knee injury. And we have new women's tag champions in Sonya DeVille and Chelsea Green. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought this match turned out pretty good. You know, I thought DeVille especially had some really good aggression and speed in this one. I thought she looked better than usual. Um, I didn't think Raquel and Liv would drop the title so soon, you know, especially not against a team that is, you know, sorry to say, it's kind of like you're the, the jokes of the division. Um, a division of four teams, really, uh, to be honest. So maybe not that surprising. But DeVille and Green have not exactly been pushed as, like, threats here. And if there's any hope of this tag team title division being taken seriously as a wrestling division, I don't know how much you can put into um, that hope with these two as champions. But then again, again, you don't have too many teams to go with anyway. Um, so maybe they're just the setup team for... Could it be a chance in Carter? Can you name it? What are the what are the teams? Can you name the whole division right now? Um, they were all in that tag team turmoil match a few. A weeks lot ago. of those weren't even teams. No, you're right. You you've listed off most of them. I will say this: it does free up Raquel and Liv to work with Rhea. I think yep. that you can do the setup with Liv and Raquel at SummerSlam, and you can do many rematches after that. And it is a better position, I think, for Rodriguez and Liv to be positioned with Rhea. And these tag belts can get flip flip back and forth many times like chance and carter will probably all these if you're a team you'll get a run with these belts sure and that's just kind of sad to say because i feel like it both with the men's and the women's tag team titles it they have not felt like actual promotions for wrestlers in most of these cases both owens and zane and also raquel and Liv, they're almost always better off as singles rather than being you know basically sort of relegated to the tag team division, which has always continued to feel lesser in the WWE. So that's somewhat unfortunate. Saxton interviews Green and DeVille and DeVille calls Raquel's injury fake. And DeVille says that they're going to run this division as Green keeps listing off people to thank, including her bronzer who got a shout out. Saxton does a sit down with Seth Rollins and he said that the world title deserves a big marquee match at SummerSlam, and he starts listing off contenders, including Balor, Priest, Gunther, Drew, and others. And Balor interrupts. He wants his rematch. Their issues are not over and tells Rollins to talk to Pierce to make the match. Rollins tells Balor to stop living in the past. He says, I'm not living in the past. I'm living in chaos. Which um, I, would lo- I would love to use this in like everyday conversation. <laughs> stop living in the past. I'm not living in the past. I'm living in chaos. What what, what does that mean exactly? Um, how, how is that a counter to stop living in the past? Well, he's in the present. His present is chaos. You can't just say any random word and say you're living in it as a counter yeah, to I'm, stop living in the I'm past. I'm not living in the past. I'm living in an apartment. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. This is not a great line. He will do to Rollins what he did to him, hurting him, laughing in his face, and then alter his career forever. And Rollins says that the title is bigger than a personal vendetta, and it's bigger than each of us. And we can settle our score without a match. And I dare you to take a shot. So Balor leaves. And then as Rollins is taking off his, his lav mic, Balor created chaos by attacking him with a chair. And uh, mm. Rollins didn't see it coming. And with that, um, this was really smart because Balor got his match at the end of this. I mean, that's that's the philosophy of those who live in chaos, I guess. You know, maybe line aside, I thought Balor was actually really good here. His The setting allowed him to talk slowly and seriously, and I think it's no really No singing. Uh, he did not sing. No, I was talking I'm about I'm saying Balor. if they were doing this in the in the ring, you would have the singing to combat. That's a great point. You're right, yeah. And I thought Balor really came across like he was obsessed with beating Seth Rollins as if it was some sort of um, sickness. So I thought it was effective. The Viking rules match between Alpha Academy and the Viking Raiders. Titus O'Neil is out on commentary um, because I think the answer was pretty clear after watching this match. You know, Titus has like a real I mean, I don't know if there is like a a close proximity with him, like being near Atlanta or something. I don't know. But I think the tone that he provided as common, like basically a guy watching and like reacting huge with his deep voice to these, this match kind of provided like a really nice levity to this comedy match, essentially. Well, at first, I didn't think we were going to get to see this because this entire arena was full of smoke from the Vikings entrance, but it cleared up. And dude, this turned into a super entertaining match. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and they had to work for it. Okay. I talked about how great this crowd was the beginning of this. Like they did not seem interested in this, but yeah. the guys worked so hard that this crowd got into it in in a big way um the first sign of it was a table being brought out of course and everyone goes nuts for that (laughs) there's all these shields set up around the ring and they ask titus if he's ever been hit by a shield and he says i've fought the shield before never hit by one (laughs) which was a good line and ivar hits a reverse cross body and otis catches him and slams him to the mat which was damn impressive of a guy of that size being caught Ivar then hits a moonsault to Otis off the top. Gable breaks it with his own moonsault and then lifts up Ivar for a bridging German with Eric diving in for the save. Then there's a diving headbutt by Gable onto Eric. Valhalla breaks it up, which sets up Maxine for her spot, landing a high cross, and they get the jacket back. And as Maxine puts on the jacket, she is speared through the table by Valhalla. Gable then runs into the shields in the corner, lands on the floor. Otis is left alone, and Otis was awesome here taking on ivar and eric he was just a one-man machine and hits the caterpillar valhalla slaps him on the buckle and the vikings hit a double power bomb hitting otis in 10 and a half minutes but um this so overachieved completely yeah i thought this was excellent you know um the production of this match was really well done um the spots with maxine and valhalla again got the biggest reactions here the moonsaults from ivar quickly followed by the one from gable and then followed up with uh with that uh very impressive uh, uh german suplex really spectacular memorable spots and i definitely a bit i was not a fan of uh this type of comedy throughout this entire feud but they've consistently received great reactions from this crowd and 
especially for the in-ring performances and especially for these vaccine spots, which continuous continues to just like be, I would say highlights of not just the feud, but really the show. Um, and that was the case for this match too, a match that I didn't think would be any more than comedic plunder ended up being a highlight of this raw. Yeah. And a match that got 10 minutes on this show, which up until like the, uh, like 10, 15 or so, there's about 23 minutes of wrestling on this show. It was very much on a lot of talking segments, a lot of like angles to set up SummerSlam stuff. So, um, and thus what followed here was Shayna Baszler and Nikki Cross, uh, 19 seconds of Baszler submitting Nikki Cross and Ronda Rousey appears in the skybox and the crowd goes mild. And if you are not a fan of Ronda Rousey promos, you probably, this was like, jumbling like 500 words into 30 seconds here as she went over describing how it's much harder to walk in the back door of a profession rather than the front door which has the pavement and the steps paved for you to enter from that person who came ahead of you and Mm. this is ronda rousey she's she's talking a mile a minute here explaining this analogy but i got it and explains that she was not handed anything. She was thrown to the wolves here in WWE and took the tougher path to come here and did it in a fraction of the time, just like she did in MMA. She's the greatest combat sports sports athlete ever, and Baszler is simply a knockoff version of her. So Baszler comes back stating that in the ring, doing what we do, I'm a better Ronda Rousey than you, which I, I'm trying to understand. I didn't quite understand it i think i understand it i think uh, the idea of ronda rousey is that she's a completely dominant figure in whatever sports she chooses you know predominantly i would say mma like when you say you know i'm the ronda rousey of mma i mean if you really watch mma you you probably don't really love that analogy but i mean to the common person i think we a lot of us still think of ronda rousey as like you know a bit of a sort of legendary figure in the sport and that's essentially all all shana is saying i am as good as you are in mma but in pro wrestling which is not really true judging by accolades but it's not but um (laughs) but she's a very good wrestler and i'd argue maybe better than ronda and then baszler tells her to waltz her heavy ass into the ring so at this point like in this point I am who's the heel, who's the babyface up until this point, John? It's 1,000 million percent Shayna Baszler is the heel, the yes. entitled heel who is trying to degrade all of Ronda Rousey's legitimate accomplishments that she has done to pave the way. She also for attacked fighters she also and attacked for wrestlers Ronda. in this company. Yeah, 100%. She, she also attacked Ronda first uh, from behind. In Ronda's retort, I thought on paper was really sound. It was on full paper. of like logic, you know, like Shayna's Shayna had a great promo. Basically <laughs> this is the, the sort of weird part because Shayna's promo felt very much like a babyface promo. And like, Rhonda's delivery is so heel. Yes. Yeah. So here, even so, though the words are like the delivery and the words are opposites. This whole though. thing has been a mess from the jump, okay? And and that's not even including, like, the rush nature of the turn itself. But let's just say, like, everything went well. well. Uh, Ronda, like, Shayna turned on Ronda. So Shayna comes back, cuts a great promo about why she attacked Ronda. But it was so good that it got the crowd entirely on her side. You know, she's basically saying, I fought hard. I went the long route, the route that you should have to get here because I love this. Um... <laughs> Ronda comes back, I think, with a really good retort 
about why she her quote unquote long sorry short route backdoor route was actually much tougher because she had to win the olympics had to dominate in mma was thrown to the wolves and became you know like a, a pretty good professional wrestler in half the time that Shayna took the difference however though was ronda's delivery is just awful um she's never been good at delivering really any sort of promo but especially this sort of like long like well written but you know requires like too somebody written. like too written it's it too does written. not at all sound natural for somebody who speaks like she does anyway clearly at some point they see the crowd reaction and the crowd wanting to boo ronda anyway and they did what john Rousey declines to waltz her heavy ass into the ring as Baszler challenged her to. No, unless they want to make me. And she sits down and refuses to fight Shayna Baszler. So Baszler goes into the crowd and goes after her when Rousey says, I'm going to do you a favor and get you booked at SummerSlam. I'll see you in the Motor City, bitch. And that's how the segment ends with Rousey just doing like a 180 in the yeah. middle of this segment. Yeah. They're, they're, they're I, was been like, I was like, I put my hands up. I'm like, I don't know what these two are doing. They're just doing their own thing. And it's like, whatever. <laughs> I feel like every interaction these two have, somebody turns. I, I, I could count four turns already, like in the bottom. In a promo. Season. Yeah. <laughs> sure. It's a fucking mess, you know, and a quick Google or Twitter search for uh, Ronda Rousey, Shayna Baszler will tell you exactly the same thing. Everybody is confused about who is the baby face and who is the heel here. Um, But I will say clearly, like judging by maybe, you know, Ronda's refusal, basically Ronda playing the coward here. She is supposed to be the heel, I believe, from this point forward in this feud. This week, way. <laughs> this week, you're Watch right. next week. It's going to be like, I don't know. It's oh, Listen, we're going to get to this match, and hopefully they're going to have this great match, and you're not going to remember any of this. Well, they need to set the stage for the crowd like to boo the person that they want to boo. And clearly, Ronda Rousey is the person everybody wants to boo. So I think this is a good course correction. The promos, though, I don't know how really either of them got approved. As good as the Shayna promo was, did not work for her as a heel. And as good as maybe Ronda's promo tonight was on paper, certainly did not work for her. Even So, as... so I'm supposed to be rooting for the woman that called her opponent um, fat. That's who you're rooting for. You're supposed to root for the person who attacked the other person from behind. Yeah. That's for no reason. Yeah. All right. So we're, we're up to date on this. Jackie Redmond is with Ricochet and is challenging Logan Paul to show up next week. He's like, didn't we see this last week? I thought this was a match. Like, did they say a match or, or what? They later stated that um, Logan Paul returns next week, but they did it in such a way that you could totally have taken this as he's challenging him. And then it was Logan Paul answers his challenge and he'll be here next week. Okay. So Logan, but Paul, I'm not I'm, believing they're doing a match next week. They like said that, Logan Paul accepted on social media, but they did not say that he accepted the challenge was from the show up. Okay. So another face to face basically. Yes. After we saw one last week where Logan said, I'm not interested in this match. So mm-hmm. then he said, well, why don't you talk to me again? Okay, I'm going to fly to Tampa for us to redo this again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, this is what happens when you have limited dates for a guy, and um, I you I they don't want to promote a second face to face. I suppose. What yeah. if what if Ricochet revealed that he has um, he knows people with Health Canada, and he got Prime recalled? 
that he, I think he'd be the biggest. Uh, biggest and if you face me, I will let your drink continue to be distributed in Canada and mm. to hell with these kids under the age of 18. Right. Well, in NXT, I think that would work because, you know, we know the legal system in uh, the NXT universe is very much tied to the result of a professional wrestling match. I don't know if uh, it works for Canada the same way. Did did you hear Logan Paul's response to to this? No. What? He claimed that, um, number one, he said, we're not even distributed in Canada. So this is all a lie. And um, what? You mean the the energy drink or or the other one? Because I see the other the hydration one all the time. I see all of them. They're at my corner store. Um, Right. So anyway, then he said, um, it's all fake news. It's not even real. I mean, this was Health Canada that came out with this um, and announced this. And he just turns it into a, we are cutting into market share. So they're trying to stop us. But this is all like made up news. You got to love the the fake news defense. He really is a natural heel, everybody. Oh, he totally is. You watch this thing. I'm like, this guy, it's like, I would... At first blush, it's like what an idiot, but the man knows exactly what he is. He's he knows how to exactly engage his audience um, uh, against like news against the media. So um, anyway, um, that's the state of prime. Ms. TV, uh, Ms. This was really interesting because um, he beat someone by the name of Tommaso Champin last week. Um, Not familiar with him. Nor was Miz, so he repeated the line to get the name properly pronounced. So he at least knew he he screwed up the name. <laughs> Not that I expect this to be ever used in some uh, big video package down the road. I don't. It, I, I clearly like the line mentioned means that the feud is still alive. But you saw really outside of this, no evidence of this. Tommaso has not gotten the memo that this feud is continuing because he's moving on to the perpetrator uh-huh. of last week. He mentions all the celebrities he played golf with over the weekend, insults Pat McAfee, as well as Trey Young of the Atlanta Hawks, and brings out Becky Lynch and asks if she has lost a step after several big losses since Don Callis abandoned you. And she responds by throwing all of the chairs out of the ring and screams to Miz that she has lost many things, including her mind over the last year, but not a step and demands that Miz bring out his mystery guests, Trish Stratus and Zoe Stark, or he's going to lose his tiny testicles. Mm -hmm. He's going to castrate him in this ring. That's what she threatened. So Trish and Zoe come out, and Becky demands a rematch. Trish calls her a bratty toddler and asks, is that Rue in the ring? And Becky does not like the name of her child being used on cable television. And they both, uh, they have both beaten Becky and, uh, Sorry, they have both beaten Becky. So Trish sees no impetus to take a rematch. I'm done. I am moving on. And it's time for you to finally thank me. Becky calls her a self-centered psychopath. And Becky reached out to Trish when she was at her weakest. She owes nothing to Trish. And I have spent more time in this company. I've done more for this company than you. And you need to prove you're as good as me. And this leads to Trish. Okay, I accept. (laughs) But I mean, it took an insult about like uh, her, like uh, flipping her hair on Instagram. Like that's what did it, you know? Don't ever insult my Instagram or else (laughs) I will, I will just answer with emotion and not my head. So Trish will accept on several conditions. Becky first needs to beat Zoe. She agrees. Then you, if you, okay. If she loses to Zoe, she has to get on her knees and say, thank you, Trish. Yes. I think that was Mm -hmm. the step for that. And get a tattoo across her chest 
that reads, thank you, Trish. Yes. This is all for the Zoe match? That's how it came across to me because I don't think Trish said any other. This is the the Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley stipulation. Right. Um, But except like, I don't think he made uh, Tyron Woodley get on his knees to. No, no. He only had to get the tattoo like on his finger. Yeah. Across his chest. Yeah. And. So anyway, Becky agrees to all of this. So what we're getting is Becky and Zoe next week. And on the graphic, it was if Becky wins, she gets her rematch. And that was it. I think everyone <laughs> assumes will happen. And then, want to write all this bullshit. I don't know. Does but, this tattoo extend to SummerSlam? Uh, what do you mean? Like if she, if she if loses, she loses next... to Trish, does she have to get the tattoo? Or just to well, Zoe? She, if she lost to Oh, okay. You're right. Um, I They haven't clarified that. I think if she passes Zoe, she doesn't have to get the tattoo. I mean, it, it's possible that maybe Trish meant if you beat Zoe and then you lose to me, you have to get a, a tattoo, but I don't know. In either case, I think there are stipulations in pro wrestling that, um, you know, work like putting your hair up on the line, putting a mask up on the line. Like these are big stipulations and they, they usually work. Um, putting up a tattoo on your chest <laughs> In pro wrestling, I is a step too far. Nobody will buy this. And it just really took this. I mean, people didn't buy it in, anyway, you know, that, that Becky would possibly lose to Zoe. But I think they just took it a, te- a step too far by saying you have to tattoo. Thank you, Trish, on your chest. It's silly. So maybe maybe they should just go ahead with it then. They sh- they have to do it now. Change the booking on the fly. What if, okay, what if like a, you know, ref, like what if like Zoe forgets to like lift her shoulder? You know, um, and then the referee. You what if there was an injury in the middle of the match? Legit. Sure. Yeah. And referee has to count to three. Then how are they going to stick to it? She has to get the tattoo. She has to for the sake of pro wrestling stipulations. So they attack Becky, but Becky fights them off, takes off Trish's nose protector and nails Trish and then Dex Stark and headbutts her with the face mask on. And that ends the segment. So we will get Zoe Stark and Becky in Tampa next week. I thought like Becky overall was. I, I enjoyed her here. You know, she came out, out here really pissed off throughout the entire segment and had a really like strong energy about her completely focused on revenge. Um, I thought Trish overall did well too, like in the early portions of this being very calm and contrast and just basically taunting Becky. But I kind of felt like the segment maybe lost, you know, some points when they carried out those pretty ridiculous stipulations and maybe a little bit of awkwardness in the physicality as well. So as a feud, I would say it's an improvement over Becky's, you know, several other programs uh, she's had recently, but I would, I wouldn't say it's hot up until this point. Shinsuke Nakamura took on big Bronson Reed as he is now known. I thought he had another nickname. Big. Like, wasn't, wasn't there something else they were playing with? Like, uh, like what was he? The, uh, some childhood nickname jonah i don't know <laughs> not jonah <laughs> chat room id i think at least somebody in there will, will know what i'm talking about well he's big bronson reed now okay, okay. he's gonna be big reed by the end of the okay. year reed does the vibration kick in the corner mocking nakamura and he's controlling until nakamura comes back with kicks and a dragon screw Reed hits a Death Valley driver. Crowd is getting behind Nakamura, who then drops Reed on the buckle, stopping the tsunami, and hits a knee off the buckle and is setting up for the Kinshasa when he is met with a running cross body. And right as Reed hits it, in runs Tommaso Champin, who attacks Reed in seven and a half minutes for the DQ. And Corey Graves yells, inadvertently, 
Champa earns the win for Reed. I'm like, what was inadvertent about this? Did Champa like just a gust of wind send him into the ring mid match to cause a disqualification? This was absolutely premeditated. I guess he wasn't thinking about giving him the victory. Does he not know how wrestling works after all these years? He's been doing this for like 20 years. Um, well, you know, when you're angry, you have a lapse in, in judgment. Maybe he thought he was in New Japan for a minute. Or these types of attacks don't. Just turn your back state. towards this. Ignore yeah. this this portion of the match. Right? Maybe. Well, we, we, he, these, these were two former G1 competitors. So maybe he thought he was suddenly in New Japan. Uh, thank you, Pete in Texas. Mr. Nice Guy. Weren't they pushing that for several weeks? I'll take your word for it. Was that okay. an actual nickname they were using for him? Yeah. Well, now he's yeah, big. In promos. Big Mr. 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 Big. Maybe that could be his uh, moniker. Uh, I feel like that's taken. It but, is. But, you know, um, so is Miz still attached to this? I thought that the thing we were getting was like Miz and uh, what is it? Uh, uh, Reed versus Champa and Gargano. So what's happening there? Is Gargano ever going to make his uh, appearance here? It seems like we're, we're, there's some sort of detour now with Nakamura. Uh, it's a direction I didn't expect, and as usual, came via a pretty unimaginative and pretty unsatisfying DQ finish. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, they, they were having a fine match, and the audience was into Nakamura in this match. And then Saxton is with Nakamura afterwards, and he is tired of people getting in his business, and he screams when Saxton asks him a follow up, and. Uh, about what he did to Champa afterwards, and he storms off. So I, I like this from Nakamura afterwards. Uh, now, is this teasing a Nakamura heel turn, or is this just giving his babyface character some edge? Um, I could see him getting turned as a result of this. Um, he just turned babyface, and he's been a successful babyface. Time to turn him. Uh, I like this from Nakamura, to be quite honest. I think, honestly, though, he's a very sympathetic figure here. Like, why... Why are you getting involved in my match unprompted? I mean, I would think mm. he has a very justifiable defense here. Like, at the very least, Ciampa deserved a shot in the face. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think he's been on a good run thus far after this brand split, but he's been stuck in a mid-card position. I'm hoping this is more of a just, you know, way to elevate his current babyface character. Where did and Rick Boogs go? He got injured, and then he got Came drafted. Back. He got drafted to Raw at the same time that Nakamura got, or sorry, he got drafted to SmackDown at the same time as Nakamura got. Uh, he was with Elias, was he not? Yes. No, he got, he used he was with Elias on Raw. Then he got drafted to SmackDown while Elias became a free agent. I don't know how you remember this. You're right. Elias is a free agent, right? Yeah. What happened I, to all these free agents? Where's Von Wagner? He's not. He's just back in NXT. Yeah. Well, he's 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 on NXT. Yeah. Well, that's part of the free agency realm, I guess. Okay. All right. They, uh, free agency just means that we have no idea what to do with. We have you. no idea what to do with yeah. you. Odyssey Jones. Uh, when are we going to see him? All right. So next week, Becky Lynch against Zoe Stark, face to face between Gunther and Drew McIntyre, and Logan Paul returns. We're getting two face to faces. Four faces. Um. Yeah, four faces and a potential tattooing. Hmm. In Tampa. And then just like that, they announced Seth Rollins and Finn Balor for SummerSlam. So done. Balor's, uh, Balor's objective is accomplished. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn against Damian Priest and Dominic Mysterio. I thought this was the highlight of the show. A great match involving these four. Rollins jumps Balor before the bell rings and fights him to the back. So there's no Balor. Rhea stays out there. And Zayn gets distracted by Rhea, allowing Dom to hit a baseball slide drop kick. And Priest chokeslams him on the apron, sending us to the break. 
heat on Zayn until Owens gets the tag and he's going wild. Sent on to Priest. He does the Eddie Guerrero shuffle and splashes Dominic off the apron, but then lands on the knees of Priest for the swan dive. Crowd is getting all over Dominic with you suck chance. And Owens hits the pop-up powerbomb. Priest makes the save. Crowd is going ballistic. And then the crowd starts singing Olay as Zayn is in. And there's a Rana off the top by Priest. Zayn stops the 619. And then Owens hits a somersault off the apron as Zayn hits a Topekan hero. And Rhea sends Owens into the steps, distracting Zayn. And Priest snaps Zayn on the rope. Dominic rolls him up and... When he kicked out, this crowd, they bought on this as a near fall. Rhea gets on the apron, went out of nowhere. Liv Morgan attacks her, sending both women into the timekeeper's area. So Rhea is subdued, and we get a exploder to Dominic, a stunner on Priest, and the Haluva kick keeps Dominic down in 15 minutes and 51 seconds. This crowd was tremendous for the duration of this match, and I thought this was a great match. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's all the more impressive considering these are still three hour shows and these are crowds that are sitting through a whole lot of content before getting to this point. I thought this match was outstanding. You know, this might have been one one of Owens and Zayn's best tag team title matches. And it was a crowd that was already engaged from the jump, but they, they just kept growing and growing and growing to higher levels. I love the way that they integrated Rollins at the beginning of this and Liv at the very end to help equalize the match for the faces. Liv in particular, I thought was a really awesome surprise, just given how her role in this Rhea Raquel feud hasn't really been all that big. But um, to make her the final difference maker for the end shoots interest in her right up, even though her role in this seems to really just be a set of person for Raquel. Still, this was an extremely satisfying conclusion to several of the stories that took place throughout the course of the show, including the Balor and Rollins setup. Uh, Rhea costing Liv and Raquel the titles. I thought Raquel and Rhea was really built, built up well throughout this episode through the loss of the tag team championship and also Liv here attacking her at the very end. Yeah, I can see them certainly doing Rhea and Liv next week or the week after. And Rhea takes her out going into SummerSlam and Raquel's alone and probably working this knee injury going into SummerSlam on top of it. So mm-hmm. um, I thought overall this was a pretty good Raw when it came to building up SummerSlam. You like all of the building has been done and now it's just confirming the matches that you know where the direction is for so many of these different programs. Um, Really enjoyed the main event. I enjoyed Gunther and Riddle quite a bit. And some of the, some of the promo stuff on the show, it was hit and miss. Um, I I think Shayna and Ronda is just, I don't, I I still find it entertaining. It's not like I'm not uh, enjoying these segments, but probably not for the reasons that they are aiming for it to be. Uh, as such and the viking rules match that was something that i just did not think twice about on this show and that was a real pleasant surprise of how how hard all four work which shouldn't have been as much of a surprise but it was impressive to see like this audience did not like the gimmick seemed to be a hindrance to the match and they overcame that and it was just a really really fun 10 minute match yeah, for me, the crowd tonight get, uh, in Atlanta gets a, a huge part of the credit for how well this this show came across throughout the entire three hours. They um, should my, get sellout crowds every week. That'd be a great idea. Uh, that would be wonderful. Sure. Um, but yeah, Atlanta was great and I think made every single segment, you know, greater, including the Viking Raiders match, including the main event tonight, including the Co- Cody segment uh, and Everything but maybe the Ronda promo and uh, maybe the, the, the Trish-Becky segment wasn't uh, great. But 
we you know it, it it all comes down to whether or not they're telling a good enough story and in some cases they are some cases they aren't do you have um sort of do we have like sort of a rough card right now for SummerSlam? because i think officially confirmed brock and cody we've got rollins and balor officially confirmed but also Rhea and raquel seems to be a direction uh becky raquel. becky trish becky trish that's four ronda shana ronda shana is five ricochet logan paul mm-hmm. roman reigns and jay Mm-hmm. That's seven we're up to at this point. Um, who are we? There's a chance they could do this U.S. title match at the end of this tournament. That's Riddle. That, Riddle. Oh, sorry. Uh, Gunther Drew. Gunther and Drew. Yeah. Um, that it's brings eight. you up to like we're talking about eight or nine matches right there. I hmm. I don't imagine them going much more than like nine or ten matches deep on the show. Yeah. Um, so that's like the lion's cool. share of your card is um essentially a book, and you've got the uh the women's three way on SmackDown for the title you're right yes so nine so, matches already wow oh, we're like uh, like the whole card seems pretty much set up unless they uh throw anything more into it but mm. yes we've got uh two more weeks until SummerSlam. so uh thankfully we'll have some wrestling to watch in a few weeks um i've been lacking really so good so what is our plan that weekend what are we going to watch in detroit uh so we are going to be going to detroit for those of you unaware uh looking forward to it we're going to be watching SummerSlam, John. I think um, that that has been confirmed. Yes, uh, it is. We are also going to be going to the, uh, the GCW show on the Friday. So that means that particular night's Rewind of SmackDown might be delayed. We, you might not even really get a SmackDown review, but we will be talking about our experience at GCW. Okay. Yes, we will uh, We'll look forward to that and uh, check out GCW. Let's go on. Uh, if you have any super chats, you're welcome to send them in. And we also have some feedback from the forum. We got one super chat here. This comes to us from Annie Rude, who says, while the bloodline are the catalyst, should Cody also get credit as the biggest, second biggest star in wrestling? Raw's also been big, seen a big uptick in metrics. Thank you very much for that, Annie Rude. I think Cody gets gets a lot of credit for you know his like he is on these house shows consistently i think he's their number one star on the house shows i think he's ahead of seth rollins uh he's ahead of owens he's ahead of zane and i think that you know he is booked as the top babyface on raw and i think that they're i think you're just seeing like these bloodline segments like you're seeing now movement in these quarters even a non-Roman segment like this past Friday, and you're getting these big bumps. And Cody is not that level of difference maker on his quarters, but, I mean, few are going to be. Um, this is almost like a a, a once-in-a-decade kind of story that you're going to see this level of movement that an angle is responsible for. But I, I think Cody is doing excellent on his side. And uh, for Raw, I would say even with the addition of this championship, Cody feels like the number one guy on Raw. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, maybe his presence feels somewhat diminished because his dance partner in Brock Lesnar is a guy who doesn't do long segments. You know, you're lucky if you get what, like, I don't know, three minute segment with Brock and that's the best way to use Brock. So maybe he doesn't feel like as big of a, you know, a performer on some of these uh, three hour shows, but his shows are his matches are, are almost always the main events. Um, not this time with with Roman and Jay, but it's going to be the second main event. Yeah. What if that's the challenge next week? Cody comes out and says, Brock, if I beat you at SummerSlam, you've got to get a tattoo across your chest. <laughs> On your neck. Of a sword. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> I had to yes. pull you along for that the one. The battle of the bad tattoos. 
Okay, Muggin writes, very little filler on this episode. Atlanta was popping from start to finish. SummerSlam is taking shape very well. It was a good night for the women's roster, and there's potentially four women's matches being made, including the grudge match between Trish and Becky, Rhea against Raquel. Uh, the Viking rules was a blast. As much as I loathe the hot potato title changes, Green and DeVille winning the tag titles was necessary. Work still needs to be done to build around them. Shinsuke got a much-needed edge, and the main event blew last week's out of the water. Owens and Zayn can do no wrong when you slot them in the main event spot. Dom Dom is not playing spoiler tomorrow, so he doesn't see Dominic taking over the reins of North America. I don't think so either, um, but you never know. Let's go to Sabarov, who says, I attended the show tonight. Glad to hear you guys speak so positively of the crowd earlier on the show. It felt electric and fortunate to have great I felt ele- electric and fortunate to have great seats biggest takeaway is the number of kids in the crowd probably near half kids tonight hadn't been to like wwe since pre-covid 2019 starcade network special and i never remembered the amount of kids i saw tonight it's great for wwe's future we'll keep an eye on that in at dynamite in a month in a different arena nearby maybe that's why the, these crowds said it so loud it's all the children in there maybe the amount kids of loud the amount of pyro was surprising. My kid and others near me recoiled at it. Very loud and overdone. I miss the days they decided to save money on that. Crowd was electric for Cody's entrance and opening segment. Just, when are we going to get like a silent pyro? I don't think that works. I don't think that's a thing. You don't think we can invent that? They did the whole big pyro for Chelsea and Sonya winning the titles. Like they went mm-hmm. all out on that. Oh, it's a big title change. Uh, odd clean win for Gunther, who off air stood on the announcer's desk and told us it was the best day of each of our lives to be there to see him. That was on air. Was yeah, that not? made it. Yep. Yeah. Tons of cheers every time Rhea appeared. Some girls near us screamed like an NSYNC or Backstreet Boys show for Rhea. No love for Ronda at all. Caught off guard by the women's tag title change. Main event second half was incredible after a slow start. Rollins Pyro went off after the show ended, and hundreds of us rushed back into the seats to see him, KO, and Sammy beat down the Judgment Day. All right. Well, it sounded like a fun show live for those people in Atlanta. And yes, Dynamite is in uh, it's in uh, Duluth, Georgia next month at the Gas South Arena uh, for a Dynamite Rampage taping uh, August 23rd. So there's a lot of these markets where they are running in close proximity, WWE and AEW. Like WWE is going to be in in Calgary at the Saddledome in a couple of weeks. So and there's many examples of that where. These, these markets, like they're getting AEW and WWE in a fairly close time frame. And it's okay to enjoy both, everybody. No, no, not at all. You have to uh, choose one, hate the other, and tweet about it. All right, that's going to bring an end to the show because we have about a, a dozen shows to do before we wake up tomorrow morning. So you can look forward to all of that. Again, four G1 shows on the cafe this week, along with Many other shows. So a great, great time to join postwrestlingcafe.com, video.postwrestling.com. $6 gets you access to all of the bonus shows for the entire month, including our G1 coverage that runs through August the 13th, as we will be covering each and every G1 show. Two are already in the bank. Only 17 more to go. Yeah, you, you it basically gives you access for the entire 30 days. So you don't have to like even re-sign up for august like it just carries you over to the end of the g1 which should be when when is the end of the g august 13th yeah so yeah you could just sign up and then just you know get out of here we'll never see you again after august 13th that's fine we won't take it personally uh but there you go lots of stuff uh to look forward to this week 
Way and I are going to be back on Wednesday with Rewinded Dynamite and the double shot chatting about Abdullah the Butcher on Dark Side of the Ring. And you will hear Way's voice on Tuesday at 3 Eastern for the wellness policy with the Goodman brothers and Neil Flanagan. So I look forward to listening to this. The Good Brothers. uh, The the Good Brothers. That's it. All right. That's it for us. Have a good night. Have a good morning. Goodbye. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc